at the halfway point of the glorious mess. How many of you are enjoying this series? You have to raise your hand, otherwise I'll feel bad. I mean, I'm really enjoying myself. Pull out your outline. If you have a bulletin, your outline is the thing that's in the bulletin, has some blanks. Uh, we fill them out as you go along uh, with the service. If you don't have an outline, raise your hand. We want to actually give you one. The usher's right back there. He is eager to give you an outline. There you go. Absolutely. If you need a pen, they'll even give you a pen. We got one up front, too. Casey. Oh, the Lord has provided already up front. We're good. Praise Jesus. You're going to want to go through the outline today. We've been trucking through the book of Jonah. A couple of Sundays ago, we talked about God's call on Jonah's life and how all of us have a call on our lives as well. So many of you have been walking out God's call on your life over the last couple of weeks. I have heard some incredible stories. I shared a couple last week. I want to share a couple more this week. One of you shared a letter uh, that you received from a prison inmate. You've been writing back and forth with him. You shared with him a personal Nineveh experience that you had about going to a place that maybe you didn't want to go. And you had to share God with this person. It was something that was difficult, something that was painful. He actually wrote back to you and he said on the most difficult day that he had in prison, God revealed himself to this man twice on that day by his Holy Spirit. Amazing story. I heard another story of a life springer who needed to get something at the local quickie mart. It was midnight or like past midnight. You went up there and a guy was asking you for money for gas, right? And you said, no, uh, I'm not going to give you any money. Well, then later you're walking back to your car and the Holy Spirit kind of uh, knocked you on the shoulder and was like, hey, are you going to help that guy out or what? <laughs> and so you, you turned back around. You got $20 and you gave him $20 and he said, God bless you. I love it. I love that. God is on the move in this in this church. I'm, I'm so proud to be a part of LifeSpring and what God is doing here. He's speaking to his children. I prayed with a couple last Sunday. They said, Pastor Dan, we feel like we're supposed to go into full time ministry. We don't even know how or what this would look like, but we feel like God is calling us in that direction. Would you pray with us? And that's exactly what we did. We prayed. God is moving in his people. He is calling. He is stirring. And we are answering that call. Now, Jonah, he heard that call clearly, didn't he? But he did not respond like those stories that I just shared. He ran from God's call and he ran into a mess. He dead ended into a mess of his own making. Often we are the own authors of our own mess. Do you, do you get what I'm saying? We, we have no one else to blame other than ourselves for the mess that we've made. And the reality is we've been creating messes ever since we were little kids. And just to prove that point, I wanted to share a little video clip. <laughs> it looks like baby New Year and old man last year ran into each other. Now the shower is probably going to get you clean. <laughs> silly mommy thought that if I only gave William a little cap of paint, he would be just fine and I can go in the other room while he plays with the paint a bit. What happened to William, Katie? Usually when Jack Frost visits, he leaves his bark outside. 
He's six months, 15 pounds, and 3,000 calories. We are looking for JJ, and look where we found him. Look at this mess. All right. I love that last one, that little kid. I, have you ever noticed on America's Funny Videos how nice and calm the parents are? Like, I just don't know if I'd be like, oh, it's so cute. Get the camera. This is funny. Whew, Trevin, what have you done? All right, I just let you in on what a bad parent I am, I guess. So, so often we are responsible for the messes that we're in. Case in point, I want to share a quick story. I was in the shower Wednesday morning, and it dawns on me that it's the 14th. And Mary's birthday is on the 14th. So I think, oh, thank you, Lord. You have reminded me that it's Mary's birthday today. Wow, how awful it would have been if I would have forgotten my own wife's birthday. So I come up with a plan. I get out of the shower. I head to Ava's room. I yell, Trevin, I need you for a second. So he heads to Ava's room. I go, Ava, I need you to pick up your toys. So Ava comes in. I get him in, the, in there and I you know, bend down. I'm like, okay, guys, it's mom's birthday. We're going to do something really special. We're going to sing her happy birthday. All right? You got it? We're like, yeah. So we go out, you know, like with that little smirk that you got when you know you got something really special. And, oh, man, this is going to be good. So we stand out, you know, before her. And, and we begin. I think Trevin started it. But as we start singing, you know, instead of those tears of joy that I thought would be falling off my wife's face, her smile kind of turned into a not smile. And she went, no. And so we stopped singing. She said, it's not my birthday. <laughs> It's not November 14th, it's December 14th. <laughs> it was so embarrassing. I mean, I felt like a fool. Ava kept on telling her, like, happy birthday, mommy, happy birthday. And she's like, no, daddy got it wrong. It's not my birthday. It was awful. And then to make it worse, I decided that since we had started it, we might as well finish it. So we finished the song and sang happy birthday to her. It was a mess. And I was truly the only one responsible for making it. <laughs> but, you, but you know what? God didn't give up on Dan Bursch because of his stupidity. When I put those three holes in the wall doing the front flip on the bed last week, uh, God didn't give up on me. Thank you, Adam, for prepare, or repairing those holes. God didn't give up on Jonah, and God doesn't give up on you. Amen. It's right. So today I want to answer the question, how do you get out of your glorious mess? And at the beginning here, I'm going to ask a couple of questions that I want you to answer. How messy do you want it to get? How messy are you comfortable with it getting? As you run from God, what are your limits? As you run from God, do you want the mess to dominate and overwhelm your life? I mean, there's all kinds of messy situations and destinations out there. Messes of finances and legal messes, relational messes. And apparently there's also the I've been swallowed by a large aquatic animal kind of messiness. And that's where we find Jonah. And here's the deal. Maybe you're here this morning, you're sitting here, and you can't relate to anything we've talked about the last three weeks. I mean, it's been a waste of time for you. You're not a mess at all. As you take inventory of your life, it's all good. There's nothing messy about it. I just want to say there, but for the grace of God, go I. All of us are one or two dumb decisions from finding ourselves in the belly of a fish. 
The Apostle Paul, he says it this way, 1 Corinthians 10, 12. If you think you are standing strong, be careful, for you too may fall into the same sin. So no matter where you are on the spiritual spectrum, on this journey of mess, whether you have no mess or you're knee deep in it, here's the deal. We can learn some incredible things from this guy, Jonah. And we can look in this book and find things for today, November 18th, 2012. Would you pray with us as we reveal or as we ask the Lord to be a part of this? Lord, I I need you this morning. I need you to show yourself in a real way for your Holy Spirit just to move in this place. That would be way beyond the songs that we picked or the sermon that I chose to, to preach. That there would be a supernatural moving of your spirit, Lord. We need that. We are desperate for that. We pray for an illumination by your Holy Spirit of your holy word. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 We'll pull out that outline if you're following along. The first blank is the glorious truth. The glorious truth is that God is all I need. God is all I need. So here's Jonah running from God in the midst of his mess. He's just been thrown overboard into that sea. But here's what the Bible says. Jonah 1, 17. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside that fish three days and three nights. Did you see that? The Lord provided. Some of your Bibles might say that the Lord arranged, which I love that idea. I mean, how does that work? God saying RSVPing and saying, I, I need a, a large whale, a large fish by the boat around 10 p.m. I mean, how does that work? But, but that's what happened. He arranged for the fish to be there. God provided a fish. He gave Jonah what he needed. Now, with all of our sophistication, our technology, this is one of those verses that we struggle with, isn't it? Three days and three nights and a fish? I mean, come on. How, how does that work? Seems a little hard for our minds to get around. Just to give you some context, I want to remind you of this God who we worship, who we worship this morning. Luke one thirty seven says, For nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. Keep that in mind, and I'll ask you a couple of rhetorical questions. Which is harder to do, to command the whale or to create the whale? What's harder to do? It's so hard for us to believe that he commanded a whale, yet he created the whale. Of course he can command a whale. We command whales all the time. It's called SeaWorld. <laughs> but then we're like, ah, sure, okay, he commanded the whale, but he kept him alive for three days. Come on now. But friends, God made life. Of course he can sustain it. He made it. Doctors sustain life every day. All around this world, doctors are able to sustain life. Of course, God can sustain it. So we believe in a big God, don't we? A very real God who can do anything. Now, I want us to picture this very literal situation that Jonah is in. I mean, this can be hard for us at times because when we think about Jonah, we we get this image of Geppetto inside a monster, don't we? From Disney's version of Geppetto. There he is, right in that. who, Who knows how he even got that pen to work inside the belly? You know you do. I'm there right with you. We can also blame children's illustrators. I want to show you a couple of pictures I found. So this first one, Jonah's on his computer, if you can see that. He's get, you know, checking his emails. Let's go to the next one. Well, this is great. They have electricity in this one. They have a mic and telephone. And then this is my favorite one. He actually has a fire in, in the belly, which is really neat that the Lord provided a fire. What is he doing? Marsh, roasting marshmallows? I mean, that's not what it looked like, right? I mean, let's think about it. It, He would have been absolutely immobile, crammed into complete darkness. Can you imagine what the smell must have been like? I mean, you're inside of a fish. 
absolutely alone, totally isolated. May I add, he is riddled with failure and shame. You know he is. Why? Because he's the only one that he could blame for the mess that he's in. And as Jonah surveys the situation, he sees that he's stuck. All those things that he's relied on in the past, they're gone. No options left. Everything else has gone. His cleverness, his good looks, his popularity, whatever it was that he had going for it, nothing mattered any longer. Here he is. He's in the middle of a mess, and it's a mess of his own making. And it's at this point, I believe that the glorious truth really hits him. You know, I don't have anything left but God. And God is all I need. Scripture tells us that from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God. Jonah prayed and he called out to God. He realized that God was what he needed. And I don't care what kind of mess you find yourself in the middle of this morning. But if you cry from God in the middle of your mess, God will hear you. He will. This should be such an encouragement to us this morning that God is all you need. And with this realization comes our glorious understanding. Second point, that my way leads to pain. Don't you know that my way leads to pain? It's important to grasp this about ourselves, that we as human beings, we we choose to put ourselves in these dangerous and perilous situations again and again and again and again as we do our things our own way. Because it's what we've done in the past. It's what we're familiar with. And because really there seems to be some small benefit from doing things our way, doing our own agenda, going down our own path. And when we run from God and we sin, sin does afford us some small pleasure. If there wasn't some small pleasure for us to get out of it, it wouldn't be so tempting. But we will put ourselves in these situations again and again because, you know, it's just what I've always done. I'm familiar with it. But we have to be willing to change. We have to be willing to change and realize that my way, my way always leads to pain. But change, uh uh-oh, I just said change, right? To some of you, that's a swear word, right? Don't say that. That stresses you out. Many of us are not willing to change because change, what? It can be painful as well. And because of this, we won't change until the pain of our current circumstances exceeds the pain of change. I'll give you an example of that. Let's take procrastination. It's something that we've all dabbled in from time to time, right? Whether it's a term paper that's coming up, maybe a work project, winterizing your lawn, we... We put it off. These projects do not sound sound fun. In fact, there is pain associated with these projects. So we keep on putting it off until the pain of our current circumstance elevates above the pain of change. And then we buckle up and we do it. It's why back in the day, before everybody had a laptop at the University of Wyoming, we had 24-hour computer labs. And those babies were full at 2 and 3 in the morning. Why? Because the pain of having to tell your parents that you flunked out of college just became greater than the pain of having to write your term paper. So we like the status quo, right? We like the status quo even if it's harmful to us because we don't like change and we keep on putting it off, putting it off, putting it off until the but then one day moment. Let me describe it like this. Some people will continue in an adulterous relationship because they feel that the pain of change would be greater than actually dealing with their current scenario. So they just keep on going back there again and again and again. But then one day they get a call from their wife who tells them, I want you and your stuff out of the house by three o'clock today. I know all about Susie. And many times you begin to make changes after you've been caught. 
The list of people that I know that have gone down this path is much longer than I ever thought it would be. Maybe it's somebody who borrows a couple hundred bucks from the company, then borrows a couple hundred more, and then continues to borrow a couple hundred more, always intending to pay it back. But they will continue to walk down this road because the pain of change, owning up to what they've been doing, it's too difficult. But then one day the police show up and that pain gets elevated and you're forced to change. A very real scenario. Some of you understand because of loved ones and maybe because of a physician, you know that you need to start taking care of yourself better. Diet and exercise. Stop smoking. Stop drinking. But there's a certain amount of pleasure in what you're doing. I understand that. But then one day... You get the test results back or you have a heart attack and change is forced upon you. Some of you are unmarried. If you're unmarried, raise your hand. All right. There's our singles group. (laughs) A good portion of our church is actually unmarried people. I love that about our church. Dating relationships can be very messy. Your relationship can quickly become physical. And you say, you know, we, we really should put boundaries on this whole thing. You know, we really need to bring this relationship underneath the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That's what you do. But it's so fun and there is a pleasure associated with the physicality of the relationship. And so you continue to go there. But then one day you realize you're pregnant or you got a girl pregnant. And the pain of the situation is now elevated beyond the pain of change and you have to change. But here's the good news. Did you know you don't have to wait until that but then one day moment to choose change? You don't. You can recognize today that my way, my way leads to pain. When I go after my agenda, run from God and pursue my own thing, it always leads to pain. Let's not wait until we are in pain to choose God's way. Can we just decide this morning ahead of time to reject our way instead go God's way? Look at Jonah. Jonah definitely does not go God's way in the beginning, right? And he is in a whole lot of pain. He's inside a fish kind of pain. But scripture tells us, he said, in my distress, I called on the Lord and he answered me. It often takes distress, right, for us to call to the Lord. But he answered him from the depths of the grave. I called for help and you listened to my cry. Look what's going on. The situation hasn't changed, but now everything is changing because Jonah has changed. He is now calling out to God, realizing that God is all that he needs. He says, you hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever, but you brought my life up from the pit. O Lord, my God, do you see what's happening? Jonah is coming to the realization that, God, I am lost without you. I have no hope apart from you. And this really is the truth that starts every Christian journey. I mean, this is the first step to having a real relationship with God. When we finally realize that on my own, I am tanking it on my own. When I'm doing my own thing, I am failing on my own. I am dead ending in messiness with no one to blame but myself. I need you, God. I need you, Lord. Jesus understood this truth. John 15, 15, he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And he is right. And this truth that you need God, it's actually the essence of repentance. Repentance. It's a word that we've all heard before. When we repent, what are we doing? We're recognizing that we've fallen short. That you know what? My way has not worked. Instead, it's led me down a path of pain 
sin and sorrow. And so what do we do? We turn from our sins and we turn from our wicked ways. We turn around. We say, you know, I'm not going to walk this way anymore. I'm going to turn and instead embrace and accept what God has done for me. That God is what I really need. This is the essence of repentance. I've been there. I've said these exact words. God, I don't want to continue wasting my life. God, this gift that you've given me, I don't want to waste it. So I turn from my sins, realizing that all of my answers are found in you, God. There's a good chance as I'm talking about repentance, you know there's sins in your life that you need to repent of. I mean, you just feel it. And I want to give you an opportunity later on to repent of your sins. All right, back to Jonah. I love this. He says, when my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. And my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. All right, underline that last phrase. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. Up to this point, knowing who Jonah is, he probably thought everybody else had idols. I mean, he could have pointed out all the idols that the Ninevites had. As a prophet of God, he was probably really good at pointing out all the, all the idols that the different nations had. But did you know that he had idols? I don't know if he realized it until this point. Even though he was a Hebrew and a prophet of God, he had idols. An idol, it's anything that we cling to, lean on to, anything that we get our worth from, our self-worth, our default mode, what we run to in those times of distress and trouble. Here's Jonah's idols, at least a couple of them. The idol of my way is best. It's the idol of self-sufficiency. He's got that one. The idol of my prejudice toward the Ninevites which I would call the idol of self-superiority. But it's interesting. You would ask Jonah before this whole fish thing, and he said, I know everything about God. I mean, I I talk to him, I read read about him, I preach about him. Jonah loved God. He worshipped him. He would be found in the synagogue, I'm sure, with his hands raised high, praising God, declaring him holy. Yet Jonah still had idols. And here's the point about that. You know God. Many of you know God. You might read about him, talk about him, write about him, pray, worship, but you still might have idols, places where you haven't trusted in the sufficiency of God, where you haven't bowed your knee and said, God, I want you to take control of this. Maybe there's behaviors that you still want to cling to, even though you know that they're outside of God's provision and outside of God's will for your life. Idols strike anywhere, anyhow, anytime. And we, when we hold on to our idols, the scripture tells us that we forfeit the grace that could be ours. We're the ones that miss out. When we cling to those idols, we are missing out on all that God would have for us. We're limiting God's best for us. Jonah figures it out. I mean, he realizes he's blowing this whole thing, right? And when life begins to ebb away, the scripture tells us, Jonah remembers the Lord. He remembers the Lord. So friends, what are your idols this morning? What are you clinging to That is not of God. This morning, it's the perfect time to repent, to lay down those idols. All right. Jonah continues to pray. Verse nine. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. Jonah is getting it now. What I have vowed, I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. Underline that. Salvation comes from the Lord. Jonah is now in a place of praise. Even with everything that's going on, he is in a place of praise because he realizes that God is all he needs and salvation comes from the Lord. Now we know that. We see that throughout Scripture. Salvation comes from God. God is the one who saves. God is the only one 
who saves. God saves us through the person of Jesus Christ and the sacrifice that he offers us on the cross of Calvary. His body and his blood sacrificed for our sins. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus Christ is called our Savior. We find also in the New Testament that there's no other name under heaven by which we might be saved other than Jesus. So God is the one, the only one who provides salvation. Now, on a side note, you might be thinking as I'm talking that the fact that God is the only one that can bring salvation might sound a little exclusive. I mean, I guess it would be exclusive if it was a secret, but this isn't a secret. I mean, sure, there's only one combination to the safe and inside the safe are untold riches. But anyone can have the combination to the safe and the combination has a name. What's his name? Jesus. Sure, there's only one road that leads to heaven. But did you know this road has a map? It's a big map and it's a map for everyone. And on this road, the road has a name and his name is Jesus. Because this is God's heart for you. He wants to save you. This is the good news. He wants to pour out his grace on your life. He wants you to turn away from your agenda and your pathway that leads to pain and to mess. Instead, turn to Jesus. Repent. And when we do, we will experience this next truth. On your outline, the glorious salvation that he offers, God gives me rescue. He gives me rescue. I love this about my God. He gives you rescue. And this next verse, it's got to be one of my favorite verses in the Bible. At least it was growing up. So the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Got to love that as a little boy. You know, I think I still love it. I love that vomit means rescue. I mean, I don't want to camp out here forever, but, but I want you to picture this just for a moment. I mean, you can't understand Jonah unless you really get your mental imagery going. God commands the fish and he vomits Jonah onto dry land. You can just picture the scene. There is Jonah dumped onto dry land. There's piles of seaweed, fish, a half-digested volleyball named Wilson. (laughs) You name it. It is all there. Jonah, he's slipping around in it. I mean, it is gross. It smells and it's completely disgusting. But to Jonah, it's paradise. I mean, to Jonah, this is absolute glory. He was in a whale and now he's not. I mean, it was messy and gross, but to Jonah, it's beautiful. It's the winning lottery ticket. It's the touchdown. It's a beautiful moment. I mean, he's doing a little happy dance. He's kicking Wilson. He's celebrating, praising God. He's incredibly happy for the rescue that God has provided. But like I said, it was a mess. You know it was a mess. But it was beautiful. Let's make it personal. When you cry out to God in the midst of your messiness, when you realize that your way leads to pain, when you realize that he's all you need, when you cry out to him, I guarantee you that you will experience salvation. But I cannot guarantee you what it's going to look like. It might look a little messy. It might involve you having to have some honest, apologetic conversations with people that you've heard in your past. It might look like facing your addictions head on, not just telling everybody around you that you're not going to do wrong anymore, but actually taking a step forward in your recovery. It's going to kind of look like you making whatever change you need to make in your life. It might look messy, but it's what you need to do as you experience God's rescue. All right. In order to get out of this glorious mess, I want to give you a couple of steps to get out of this glorious mess. Number one, recognize where your running has led you. Recognize 
where your running has led you. For Jonah, Jonah is pretty obvious, right? He's in a fish. We know where his running has led him. But recognize where your running has led you to. What mess are you dead ending into? Where is it that your running has led you? What has swallowed you whole in your life? What is it that God needs to rescue you from? As you look at your life, it might be easy for you to see. Some of you, you see it. I mean, it's right in front of your face. Some of you, as I've been talking this morning, all you can see is your sin. I mean, you feel the shame. You feel the weight of your sin. Maybe it's an addiction to a substance. Maybe it's an addiction to sex or pornography. Maybe there's this behavior pattern that you keep on going to again and again. And you hate it, but it owns you. It has swallowed you whole. That's your mess. I just want to tell you this morning, cry out to God. Whatever that is that's in front of you, it's exactly what God would want to rescue from. Rescue you from, cry out to the Lord. Cry out to God. Some of you have never cried out to the Lord. For others of you, you don't have anything around you that you think is messy. I mean, this is Jonah, right? Jonah thinks he's doing pretty good. This is where the Pharisees were in Jesus' day. They know all the rules. They know all the answers. Quick to judge everyone else around them. If that's you, that's tough. Um, I just want to suggest a couple things to you. You know that last argument you had with your spouse where you were so right and so innocent and positive that your spouse was so guilty? You weren't that innocent. Those theological stances that you are taking and you're absolutely certain of and anyone that doesn't agree with you, you think they're an idiot? If that's you, you are walking into dangerous territory, my friend, of self-righteousness, self-superiority, and self-justification. And these sins really are hard for us to recognize, right? Because we are blinded by the things in our own lives. And if that's you, I would encourage you, talk to a loved one, right? Talk to a friend, somebody who cares about you, but who is unimpressed by you. You know, someone you can't pull one over on. Mary. Even better, talk to God about it. Ask him to reveal the parts of your life where you're missing the mark. That's what King David did, right? He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Proverbs, cry out for insight and understanding. Search for them as you would for lost money or hidden treasure. Pray to the Lord, and when you do, cry out to Him. And here's the good news. When you recognize where your running has led you, when you repent and you turn to Him, you are going to be met with the open arms of God. This is good news. He loves you. He loves you. He wants to have a relationship with you. He doesn't want to make fun of you or rub your sin in your nose. He doesn't want to do any of that. He wants to take away your sin. To eradicate your sin. He will pour his grace out over you. And as you release those idols in your life, you're going to experience his grace poured out. Makes me think of my relationship with my daughter, Ava. Most of you know her. She's three now and she sleeps with her mama and daddy still. And, you know, there's been times throughout the past three years when she's peed through her diaper onto the sheets. And we're all of a sudden sleeping on soiled sheets. Now, this happened as a one-year-old, and as her father, I would turn on the lights, sit down, and say, Ava, you've made this mess, and now you're going to have to lie in it. And then we'd turn off the light and go back to bed. No, I didn't do that! Are you kidding me? Mary would have killed me. <laughs> it's true. But why? No, not because I'm married, because I'm a good dad. I'm a good dad. I love my daughter. And when she's crying in her mess, I pick her up. I clean her off. I get her some new clothes. I fix the bed and we go back to bed. 
God is a good dad. And he's not like damn burst good. He is infinitely better than that. Praise the Lord. (laughs) So as you cry out to God from the middle of your mess, understand he's going to wrap you in his arms. He's going to rescue you from the place you're in. Do you believe this? He's going to help you. He's going to clean you up and he's going to get you going again. And that's why it's so important not to just recognize where you're running has led you. But it's so important that we return to God and we return with a humble heart. Second step to getting out of our mess. Return with a humble heart. That we return to him. That we had literally turn. Turn away from our path. Turn to him. Stop going the direction of our agenda. Turn to him. Seek God. Seek his presence. And God, when you do this, he's not going to condemn you or to judge you. Put you down because of your sin. Scripture actually tells us quite the opposite. God knows what this life is like. He knows how tempting sin is. God knows what it's like to be human. Scripture tells us in Hebrews chapter 4. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. No, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach this throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Amen. Now, if someone comes to us and shares an area that they're tempted with and maybe we don't find it tempting, what do we do? We judge them. We do. It's true. We think, how could you be tempted by that? I mean, what a ridiculous thing to be tempted by. But that's because we're not tempted by it. But scripture tells us uh, Jesus is quite the opposite, actually. You come to Jesus and you confess to him. Jesus, this is an area of weakness. It's a struggle. It's a temptation. Jesus actually says, I know. I know how hard this road is. I know how easy it would be to just give in. I know the pain. I know the pain that's part of this journey. I've walked this road before. I understand and I love you. I actually want to encourage you. I want to embolden you. I want to give you my spirit. I want to empower you to help you walk this road. Let me rescue you and we can journey this together. That's what you experience when you call out to Jesus. And this morning, there are some of you that have these idols. But if you recognize these idols in your life, as you become aware of these areas that you've been running, I pray that as you confess these things, you would hear Jesus say, I bleed grace for you. There is a better way to go. Let me take that burden of shame and that guilt away. Let me take these things that you think will give you temporary pleasure. Let me take them away. I want to rescue you. Let's be on this journey together. It's my prayer that you would hear Jesus say these things to you as you have a humble heart. Because a humble heart always hears Jesus. A humble heart trusts that God is moving you exactly where you need to be, as scary as it is. That a humble heart would believe that even God has brought you here into this room this very morning for this purpose. And a humble heart, it also recognizes that God provides for us along the way. God will never forsake the humble heart that seeks after him. That's what the scriptures say. Psalm 9 verse 10. Those who know your name will trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Final step. Getting out of your mess. Surround yourself with those who are committed to supporting you. So important. Surround yourself with those who love you. Who want your best. Who are on the journey with you. Your life group, it's a great way for this to happen. If you're not in a life group, join one. We have one on Monday night, on Tuesday night, on Wednesday night. I know there's people in LifeSpring that are meeting in unofficial groups all over the place, all throughout the week. If you need help in joining a life group, take that communication card, put your name on it, write it down, hand it to an usher in the back. We want to help you 
get plugged in. Another good way, men's, women's ministry. They're great places to surround yourself with support. For you, maybe it's a group outside of church, right? Maybe it's Celebrate Recovery or a sexual addiction uh, group. It could be a lot of different things, but you need to surround yourself with people who want to be your cheerleaders on this journey. You're never too old to need an attaboy in life. You're never too old to need some encouragement. You need people who will support you when times get tough. Which, by the way, just a side note, I had a tough night. And I told my worship team that. And Wayne says, what are you doing? I go, what are you talking about? He goes, next time you call me and I'll pray for you. Mm, come on. One of my favorite things we do at church is men's ministry. We have a happening men's ministry. We have about 25 guys showing up every Thursday night. And we cheer for those who are doing well. And we pray for those who are struggling. And we do not judge. If a man is struggling with a certain sin, even if he fell off the wagon the week before, we're going to come together. We're going to pray for him. And we're going to encourage him. If he's had one month of sobriety or one week or even just one day, we are going to celebrate. Because we all understand that he's in something so messy and so crazy that the temptation for him is going to be really intense. But if that man has confessed and recognized where that running has led him, if he doesn't want to go there anymore, if he's returning once, to, once again to God, if he's choosing to surround himself with people who can be an encouragement and support, then you bet we are going to celebrate him. We're going to celebrate what God is doing in his life, even if it has been for just one day. It's so important to celebrate the small victories on this journey of faith that we're on. And I want you to know as your pastor... As I've been working on this message this week, I have sought the Lord on some issues. Some of these things that we've been talking about today. I've asked the Lord to search my heart and to remove the idols in my life. Those sinful thought patterns, that self-righteousness and that self-pity. Looking at my motives for, I, for what I do. Looking at my pride. Just where I flat out missed the mark. And I've been trying to lay those things down. I've been confessing. And repenting, asking God to move, to save me from those gross parts of me that I'm not proud of. And I've been doing some serious work with God. And you have my word as your pastor that I will always live this way in a posture that makes room for the transforming power of the Holy Spirit in my life. That I will walk with a humble heart, allowing him to chisel away at the unhealthy, destructive parts of my life. In a year from now, I better be a better husband. I better be a better father. And a better friend. That's what happens, right? When you yield to the Holy Spirit's work in your life. That's what happens. You become a little bit more like Jesus. And so that's my prayer for you as well. In fact, I'm going to ask Pastor Adam to come up. And we're going to pray in just a bit. I'm going to ask you to do the same kind of work this morning that I've done this week. We're going to spend the next few moments laying these sins down. Confessing our sins. This is tough stuff, right? <laughs> Rejecting those idols, laying, laying them down. And we want to return to God, the lover of our souls. Let's do that now. Wow. I don't know about you guys, but a lot of that stuff in the message hits. It hits me where I am. We're not perfect people. No matter how much we want to act like we got it together on the, on the outside, in here, we're, we're messes a lot of times. And uh, I know just from my past experiences, that's been the case in my life, where I've tried to act like I got it together. But inside, there was something wrong. Inside, I was running like Jonah. Inside, I was trying to, trying, to, trying to get away, trying to escape God. But what I didn't realize is that He loves us. 
He loves us no matter what the mess is, no matter what it looks like. And that message that Dan just gave us was awesome. I want to just recap just a couple of things. It's a glorious truth. God is all we need. And when Dan, I mean, God is all we need. And when, and when Dan said, when, when, when Dan said, God will hear you, I struggle with that in my life sometimes. Does God hear me? Does he actually hear me? But he does. The glorious understanding. My way leads to pain. It does. If we haven't figured that out by now, we will sooner or later. Because our, our ways, our selfish ways, even though they may sound great and sound good in our own heads, they lead to pain a lot of the times. We need to know what God wants. We need to know what God has for us. And this, I mean, this message was heavy this morning. It really was. And it was intended to be heavy. It was intended to hit people where they are. And I hope that happened to us in our lives today, is that God spoke to us. And don't take it as a rebuke. Don't take it as something that I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough but take it as an encouragement that God loves you so much that he chastens us. He does. He loves us so much that he follows us and he runs after us. And now we just need to turn. So I just want to invite the rest of the, the worship team, uh, Colby and Adam, yeah. And during this time, just between you and God, we're, we have mess. We have mess in our life. There's no doubt about it. Begin to just examine your life, examine your heart, examine your motives, your thinking, everything that, that, that you are. Examine it. This is a great time to do that. We have a whole week filled with busyness. This is a great time to do that in your own life. So as we sing this song, just reflect on your life and, and be asking God, Lord, where is it that I'm running from you? Where is it that I'm mess? I bet you don't really even have to ask. I bet you just know. So be doing that during the song. Right now, I just want, if you could bow your heads and, and close your eyes. And I, I mean, I want to, we all have struggles. We all have messes in our lives. But I want to ask this morning, who, who, who in here has never given their life over to Christ? You know, sometimes we look at this and we go, oh, that shows weakness. Yeah, we are weak people. We are absolutely weak people in need of a Savior. And that's who Jesus is. He's come to save us. He's come to redeem us. He's come to clean up our mess and make it glorious. Make our lives glorious. Make our family glorious. Make our jobs, everything that concerns us. He is concerned about. He is concerned about you. He loves you. So I just want to ask in the room, if that is you this morning, you say, you know what? I've been running. I've been running. And I want to turn. I want, to, I want my heart to turn. And I want to turn to Jesus. And I want to make Him the Savior of my life. I just want you to slip your hand up where you are. Just where you are right now. Slip it on up. Amen. I see that hand. Oh, thank you, Lord. Lord, you are good. You are a great God. I just want to give another minute real quick. Anybody else in this room? Anybody? Father, right now, Lord Jesus, 
Lord, we thank you for who you are. Lord, we thank you that you're a loving God who cares for us, who is concerned for us. Lord Jesus, if you even think higher of us than we do of ourselves. I feel like this is something that we struggle with in this room this morning. There's people in here who don't think very much of themselves. And the Lord wants to come and He wants to give you new purpose and fresh vision and a new identity. Lord, I thank you. I thank you that you want to do that for us this morning, that you're doing that. So here's what I want to do, is I want to invite you, especially you who raised your hand for salvation. You know what? I just want to, I just want to ask you to come up here right now. If you raised your hand, this is, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not trying to embarrass you. This is not an embarrassing thing, but I want you to come up right now. This is awesome. Just come on up. Well, I saw some hands, but that's okay. I want you to come up after service then. And right now, I want I want you to know that we're going to have guys to pray for you, people to pray for you up here uh, at, after service. And so if you're struggling in something in your life, listen, don't be afraid to come up here and ask for prayer. We are all in people in need. We are all people who need a Savior and they need someone to encourage us. Uh, what did you call it, Dan? That a boy? That a boy? We need. We need it. If we hold it in and try to do it on ourselves, we just... We kill ourselves. It's over. So I want to invite you, if you're struggling this morning, just to come up. And this is how we're going to end the service. It's a little different today. We're not up there, but we're, we're dealing with mess, which is good. We all have it. So I want to invite you up for prayer. And this is how we're going to end the service. I want to say, have a blessed week, an awesome week. Be people who shine into your areas of life, into your jobs, into your families.